Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of the Hum Live at the 8 After Show podcast, where today we sat down with Real the Writer and Chris O to discuss some music and uh, life experiences. Enjoy. All right, y'all, live, Station 8 Productions, March 12th, big day for who is joining me today. We got Chris O. Chris, how you doing? I'm doing good, y'all. Appreciate yeah. y'all for having me. So I got Chris on my right. To my left, I've got Real. Real the writer. How you doing, Real? What's good? What's good? So today's a big day. Big day. Yes. Tell me about what's going on. We have the um, release of my EP. My first EP is called Love Levels. Y'all make sure y'all go stream that now. It's Chris over with AK and not a C. Yeah, so where we where can we find it? It's all streaming platforms. We it's, got Spotify. What do we got? Hey, it's on Apple Music. It's on all digital platforms, actually. So it doesn't make Spotify, Apple Music. It's on Google Play. It's on Amazon. It's on YouTube. It's everywhere, basically. Everywhere, everywhere. You can, you can find it. Just make sure you type the name in right. <laughs> the real Chris O. <laughs> the real Chris O. That's K-R-I-S, capital O. It's one word. So that's capital K-R-I-S, capital O. Cool. So, Chris O, um, I want to hear about you. I want to know your background. I'm, and I'm not just talking about music. Mm-hmm. Tell me about the roots. Where did it start? I, Tell me about some life. I got you. It actually started right here in Memphis, Tennessee. I was born here. I was uh, My mom was airlifted to the mid, so I was born right here downtown. Oh, you started off with some drama, huh? I started off with some drama. Okay. Yeah, I was a primer baby. You know, I'm, I'm stubborn. I came when you I was- excited. Ready. Yeah, I was excited. I was ready to hit the world. Come out singing? I came out singing um, instead of crying. <laughs> now, that's the story. No, no. no but seriously, uh, my folks are originally, uh, they was in Oxford, Mississippi. So anyone out there that's an old Miss fan, hotty totties, um, I was from there. Um, and then we moved to Memphis, Tennessee when I was eight years old. And I've been here, I was here all the way until I was around 21. And I've been in Atlanta for the last eight years. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. how's that been, Memphis versus Atlanta? Mm, ain't nobody real like the Memphis folks. I'm sorry. <laughs> Everywhere I've been and I've traveled is Miffy's. It's a certain twang, a certain swag that all Miffians has, and you just won't find it anywhere else. So nine times out of ten, when I'm in different cities, they are always so excited when they realize I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, because a lot of people love Memphis. You'll be surprised when you travel the world. You tell somebody you're from Memphis, Tennessee. You kind of, I mean, all the doors open. <laughs> Uber drivers, lifts. Anything you go to a restaurant, you tell a server that you're from Memphis, and they're like, "Oh wow, I grew up listening to Three Six Mafia." <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. What do you, What do you think? Uh, being in Atlanta, what What opportunities and connections are you making there? Um, and also, I mean, you're splitting your time, right? Like, you're yeah, kind of yeah. I'm back and forth. Yeah, I'm back and forth. Memphis is still my home. Move. I still have a Memphis phone number. Okay. <laughs> It's still 901. I'm. It's 901. So I die, and I don't think I'm going to change it. I've had the same number for ten years. Um. It's not. It's it's a difference because uh, Atlanta is just a, it's a, a larger city, mm-hmm. but at the same time, Memphis is still warm and it's still home. So, I guess it. What versus Atlanta to Memphis is um, Atlanta. I, I I stay there, but I'm from Memphis, Tennessee, so my roots are always here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, regardless. So. So I want to go back. You said you know being in Memphis until you're 21. What when did the music start? Um, I always been doing music. I was doing music before time. Like um, I I think I was I auditioned for the Little Rascals at five years old <laughs> to play Stymie. I was just too young to get the role. 
I've been doing music. Um, I did. Uh, I played in the Music Man. I was Winthrop in the Music Man in fifth grade. I had my whole school. New shout out to Newberry Elementary. <laughs> Listen, Overton High School had a play. And they took inner city kids to come in the audition. I end up getting a role as Winthrop in the Music Man. Do you know my whole school came out? Like once the the um, principal found out that I was in the Music Man, the whole school came as a field trip to come see me perform as Winthrop in the Music Man <laughs> with a blonde wig and red lipstick. <laughs> So is that how it started? You were like, all right. That's how I started. This is it. Yeah, I, I, I did plays like in, you know how you, you you in kindergarten, you you got to be in the plays. But I actually went to audition for The Music Man, and I got that role in fifth grade. So from that point on, I knew that I wanted to be on stage. I just always knew. I, it's never been a moment where I questioned if I wanted to be on stage. Right. Yeah. So- Real's here with you. Mm -hmm. Tell me about how y'all work together. Let's establish Real over here. Real is everything in my life, actually. He's um, not only my manager and um, not only my manager, creative director, he's also a dope songwriter and he wrote the whole project and he executive produced it too and he creative directed the visuals that we have out right now. So he's really my lifeline. Not only, you know, he's a, he's a close friend, but not only that, he's my lifeline. That's awesome. Yeah. Real, how do you feel about that? I'm honored. Thank you. Oh, I'm, can, can you hear me now? Are yeah. we good? Yeah, great. Yeah, I'm, I'm really... He's chilling listen, Believe it or yeah, not... He's feeling good. I love it. Believe mm -hmm. it or not, despite you know what, what you've seen from me, I'm really very chilled and very reserved. Um, but yeah, me and Chris met um, about 10 years ago, maybe almost 11. Um, somebody mentioned him to me. The, the story he has that of how we got connected is different, but mm -hmm. somebody mentioned him to me. We saw each other at an event, and I, you know, introduced myself. Hey, I'm real the writer. I'm a songwriter. If you're looking to work with, you know, other, other artists, I think actually, I actually think I sent him a message on Facebook first, and then at the event we met and and connected, exchanged numbers. And he was the first and only singer at the time that was like, yeah, you know, let's work. And actually. Followed up with it and was like, let's set up the meeting versus other singers at the time would say, oh, I got my team already or I write all my own songs. OK, great. I hit you hit you up. And I never heard from them. Chris O was the one that followed through and, you know, we set up the meeting. Um, we first like met in person um, at Starbucks. There used to be. I don't know if it's still there or not. It may still be there. I don't, I'm not in that area a lot. There's a Starbucks on Winchester at like Winchester and Winchester and Hacks Cross, mm -hmm. where the Best Buy used to be. There was a Starbucks out there. So it was myself, Chris O, the producer at the time that we worked with, Teray Love, and um, his cousin Scotty. Scotty at the time worked for Best Buy, and Scotty was in school for like PR and marketing and stuff like that. And we said and we talked about Digging You, which is a song that he performed on 106 and Park. So he won a contest in Memphis. They had a contest here where someone from BET was here to scout talent to perform on 106 and Park's Wild Out Wednesday contest. So Chris was selected. We did Digging You. I think we maybe wrote some of it there. I can't remember. Um, and then we recorded it with another friend of ours. Um, Antonio Brown, he's a producer. He did some stuff with R. Kelly a while back. Um, but we recorded 
I think we well, know we 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 wrote it at his house. We recorded it with another um, engineer. Um, but that was like ten years ago. Mm-hmm. Was that the first big production? That was the first that- song that we did together. So he he did that song. He went to 106 and Park and performed it. Everybody That's loved awesome. it. How um, did that feel, Chris? It was a, a surreal opportunity. Um, it it was so re- it's so funny because I'm I'm really in my mind laughing because we always for the last 10, 11 years we've always debated how we met. <laughs> it's always a different perspective. Is you know perception is everything. It's funny on how how we met. It was it was similar to that, but you know, um, it's just funny that the first song that we we wrote together, um, him and Teray, you know, we got the song mm-hmm. together. We all vibe, you know, got the song together, and I did it at a showcase and blaze the stage. And well, you didn't perform it at blaze the stage. You performed your other song that you used to sing, "Get It Poppin." And you won from you won the contest from get it popping from get it popping. Okay, that was because we had digging, we did digging, digging you, you for right. the show because you had to do a original song, and that's when we no recorded. no 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 no. Okay, you, you did. See, you, see this is accountability. <laughs> see what I'm talking right. about? We got the, got the relationship here. Yeah, you, of course. We we have a that we relationship had met where each other. Can let me know. We had met each other, but mm-hmm. we didn't create digging you. Uh huh. Until I think after you won that contest. You won that contest in December. In December, mm-hmm. and then we created digging you like immediately after, right around that time. Yeah, and because then, we had to have it for one hundred and six. We had it out, right? We had it out, and you did one hundred and six Park. They were the eleventh of two thousand eleven, February sixteenth, two thousand eleven. Okay, maybe it was February sixteenth. <laughs> All right, so. so, <laughs> yeah. so uh, I, I well, love yeah. the dynamic. So tell me, tell me, you guys working together? We got the writer and the performer. Is that mm-hmm. accurate to say? Yeah. yeah. So how did that relationship start and then evolve from there? From there, we it started from like, there. So, so never, from there, like how, I guess I mean, like just the the details, oh, you saying like it's di- uh, like us how being is it just like just, all right, we it, start writing. This is good, like and how then yeah, we where now we friends. So yeah, yeah. like yeah. with Dick and you, just to get kind of get in detail with that, I think he started with um just the first verse. He did the first verse. Mm-hmm. Um, I maybe finished it, did the pre-hook, did the hook. I I remember mm-hmm. it took me forever to write um, the bridge to the song. And I remember writing mm-hmm. it at the job I was working at the time. I was sitting at my little desk at the cubicle, <laughs> and I wrote the bridge. Um, but that's just been our relationship. It, it just grew from there. It never stopped. Um, in the beginning... I'm a very, very open person. And Chris, when he first meets people, he's very, you know, shy and reserved. Mm-hmm. And for him, when we first, like, met, it was all... I was the kind of person where, as I'm going to this, we cool, we're friends. He was more so very professional, very... It's business and... And see, and I love then, that because, really, you're the introvert. He's the extrovert. Yeah. But. Yeah. I, 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 but I'm I'm both. And yeah. That's, that's what's weird. Like, mm-hmm. you can't... Like, real tell me all the time, you, you bipolar because it's... <laughs> yeah. it's Aren't I'm, we all? But no. see, we're, we're talking about, at the time, we were maybe 22, 23. Okay. 21. Think, 21, right Yeah, because I didn't turn... We didn't turn 22, and I turned 22 in May. He turned 22 in August. Mm-hmm. So, we were 21 years old at the time. And it was different, but but let me tell you, let me tell you about real though. This man, he wear those shades. For those who can't see real rolling his I, eyes over here, he's I, been wearing those glasses. I don't wear shades. I wear. I wear. 
I wear prescription glasses with tints. Tint. Okay, and They're he lets everybody know, trust. This is just him. He lets everybody know that. But when, I appreciate it, real. When you first meet the man, he 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 was like he looked like a rocker, um, because he had he still, he still does over there. Really? Now I've I, but you got to see you got to know I watched him like you know blossom. So I don't I look at him like he's an R and B writer now. You know what's funny? Fair Somebody enough. just yeah. posted a video, uh, not a video, a picture of me. It was myself and a couple of artists at the time, and this was maybe around the time all that kind of we all met like ten years ago. Mm -hmm. And I had on some that time I did have on shades. I had a mohawk. Mm -hmm. And I had designs on the side. Mm -hmm. And that actual day that I took that picture, the barber that cut my hair had a hair show. So he cut designs on the side of my mohawk. And then he took, like, some different colors and colored in the lines or whatnot. And it's funny because it's like back then it was like you couldn't tell me shit. And when I saw the picture somebody posted and tagged me, I said, and they was like, please don't fight me. I said, it's hands when I see you. <laughs> She said, "Oh, you choose violence." I said, "No, you chose violence when you dug when this picture up." And then I'm coming and from college, this like I, I was coming from Miami. I, I I had went to college in Miami. I used to run track, so you got this college college guy. Like I'm a party animal. Like I'm used to going to the clubs. Mm -hmm. I'm I was. I was I'm I'm all into it. I think at that time like I was a singer and singing but I was still listening to Lil Boosie and like Yo Gotti like I was mm -hmm. like real heavy in clubs and stuff like that at that time so me meeting him with a mohawk I think sometimes real wear a glove have you ever I never no now now <laughs> he'll wear a glove now, with his fingers no, no, cut no, out no 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 I remember you having Stop a glove right there now you're making things up because I've never been their person to wear one glove. I'm not Michael Jackson. I could have sworn to be. I saw you're you wear a glove mixed, before with your fingers I'm out. I'm here to tell you if I'm lying, God can end me right now. That was not me. Okay, so it wasn't him. It was just a guy with a mohawk. Well, I tell you what, what is you is good writing. So I want to hear about that. Mm -hmm. I want to hear about how you started that process for yourself. Because I was going to ask you like how you write a song and you just said a minute ago, oh, well, I just sat down in my cubicle. I was a little bit less glamorous than what I thought I was going to hear, but I, tell, um, tell me the full story. So I've been writing since I was Yeehaw to a grasshopper. And I know it sounds corny and cliche, like, you know, it, you know, everyone's story is, you know, I've been singing since I was four or I've been, you know, dancing since I was two. I, I was dancing before I was walking. I literally would like, I think from like the first grade on up, I've been writing. And I used to have a karaoke machine that my parents had got me for Christmas. And so what I was doing was, you know how you lay a vocal and then you stack it? I didn't really, I at the time, so I had a karaoke machine, I had a radio. So let's say like an artist like Sammy, um, the sing, R&B singer. So I would play the, I would lay a, like a vocal down to a song I wrote maybe over one of his instrumentals. Because back then, this is when people put out like the tape mm -hmm. or the CD and it had the song, they had the single, then it had the instrumental. So I would maybe write something over it. So I would play it, lay down the vocal on one tape, and then I would take that tape out, put it in the radio. And so it would be playing it from the radio and then playing to the karaoke machine because I would have the mic up to the speaker of the radio. And then I would lay the next vocal. So I was stacking you had your process figured out. I, I was stacking vocals, but and little did I know until as I got older, that's kind of similar to how people actually did it. 
So I did that. Um, I think I fell in. I was. I fell in love with. I'm odd. I'm weird. I fell in love with music after watching. Um, What's love got to do with it? So the corny me, the nerd, the music nerd in me, fell in love. Fell in love with um, the the whole production of how the song was. Have you ever, have you ever seen What's Love Got to Do with it? How they you know wrote the song and they recorded mm-hmm. it in the living room and performed it and put all. The, I fell in love with that. Um, so uh, influence and some may say, huh? And influence was really not only Tina Turner because she was a front woman. But Ike Turner, and if you've ever read his book, a lot of people, you know, they, they, they're they hard on him because of his past and when he's known for being abusive. But if you ever read Ike Turner's book, despite his demons and the drugs and alcohol and other kind of stuff and being abusive, he actually was a musical genius. Even when it came when it came to the music and when it came to the business, he actually was a genius. Like there was a time when Ike and Tina first started where you had Ike and Tina, the Ike and Tina Turner review. And then they might he might like book them two shows on the same day in different areas or different cities or different clubs or whatever like that, but at the same time. So he had a, like a backup Tina that would go out there who kind of looked similar to Tina, maybe sounding like her, and who would be the Ike and Tina Turner review. Or if Tina was sick or whatever, that person would step in. He is a wow. lot of it's complex. But anyway, um I fell in love with how all of that the production and the behind the scenes stuff and how that was put Making together right so that's and i just fell into songwriting mm-hmm. um i was at the time people like i would write without having any tracks or production so i would write you know with the music and all that kind of stuff in my head and like now i hear people say how do you write a song without any production or any and I just can do it. And then if I'm with I don't play any instruments. I was in middle school for and I'm band for three years in middle school. I played percussion. And then I got out when I went to high school. I said, I'm gonna take a break for a year and go back. And my band teacher told me, he said, everyone that says that, they never go back. I was like, no, I'm going back. I love music, blah, blah, blah. Show sure as shit stank. <laughs> I didn't go back to it, but I stayed in music. So I don't play any instruments. I read a little bit of music as far as like, you know, I note notes and all that kind of stuff, but that's it. So I've been writing since then. So now I can write without a track and then get with a producer and tell them this is what I hear in mind. Or if you give me a track and I like it and I feel like I can write to that. So these songs, they're deep. So, I mean, the people listening to this, they're they're watching live at the eight. They've seen the three, the four songs, right? That you, yeah, that you played for the set. I mean, these are powerful songs. Where are you, where are you digging in yourself when you <laughs> when you write these these words? Tell them. So this entire project was inspired by a four and a half year situationship. Situationship, y'all. And now, mind you, sidebar: if you listen to the song, um, the last song we wrote, I love that song, and Terms recorded and was um, not to well, you turn well, the set. Kind of single, yeah, yeah in the same. Thank, thank you, thank you. The 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 last song we recorded for the project was "Love Me Back," mm-hmm. and if you notice, the first line says, um, "Stuck in quarantine, analyzing this relationship. Now I realize that I'm in a situationship." So this whole entire that was the very last. It's organic. It's weird. It's, it's crazy talking about this. That was the last song we record, we wrote and did. To Ray Love, the guy that we first worked together with 10 years ago, produced this song because we knew that we had to have a song from here from him mm-hmm. on this project. So I wrote that standing in my in my apartment in the kitchen washing dishes. Um, Chris and Trey was on FaceTime and they were talking. So I just kind of wrote it and went with it. 
I did. It was originally so it was so it faster than that. It just hit me. I was standing just watching and flowing. Originally, that song was the lyrics were faster than that, and then we sampled "Return of the Mac." And I think at first he was going to do a totally different sample because Chris wanted like a good 90s R&B feel. But this entire project was inspired by a four and a half year situation that I was in. So even the good songs or the fun songs like um, Love Out Loud and Fall Deep, that was during the, the good parts of that situation I was in. And even First Time, First Time talks about, you know, you're dating someone and it's not all about sex because you're really into it like you're really in tune with this person Mm -hmm. whereas when you're not with them they're always on your mind and i'll be very transparent so that situationship um we had been it was like an on and off weird thing for years and we had did everything under the sun but actually have sex um and so first time is kind of based upon what that first time would be like. Chris wanted wow. Chris wanted uh, a song about sex, period, because he's their good, slow R&B singer, you mm-hmm. know, with the explicit songs. I said, okay, we can do it. And typically, I don't care for songs like that because the most, the majority of the time when people do them, it's no sub, real substance yeah, to it. It's cheap. cut, it's I'm cheap. It's cut it's, and dry. It's it sells. Right. It's no, it's it's just straight there. No soul. But with this particular song, I say, okay, we can do it, but we got to be creative with it. We got to really tell the story. So first time tells the story of what it would be like. And you're comparing it to a drug. So you're fiending. Usually you only hear of, you know, drug addicts fiending for something. This particular time, I'm fiending for something I hadn't even had yet. That was first time. Mm-hmm. And in terms of conditions, it was toward the latter part of that situation ship where it was kind of like, you know, me analyzing the whole thing. Even when I was going to end it at one point, it still continued on for about another year or so. And me analyzing the whole thing and saying, you know, I need to really look deep into that. And then even the very, very last song, Let Love Last on the project, we didn't perform it, but it's on the project, um, talks about you know, even after we have cursed each other out, after you have pissed me off, after you've done me wrong, after I've said something wrong to you, blah, blah, blah. At the end of it, let it, let's still have something good there. Like, even if we're not together, we can still love each other. You know, love liberates, as Maya Angelou said. So this particular project was inspired by somebody I dealt with for four and a half years or whatnot. So... I don't regret it. It was an experience. I learned a lot about people and I learned a lot about myself mm-hmm. and I created, uh, I, you know, humbly, I say I created a hell of a project out of it. You know, had, maybe right. had I not gone through that, we wouldn't, you, you wouldn't have terms and conditions. Mm-hmm. So, Chris, I mean, you, incredible voice, incredible I voice. It. Thank but you. I, I've been most curious between mm-hmm. y'all two. How do you, you know, that's, that's where the place he's writing from, but I feel like you do such an excellent job of putting the emotion and the soul into it. Is that something that is natural? Is that something that y'all talk about? Or is it just something that, that just happened that way? Like, how does it feel to put your, your heart, your soul, your voice into his words? Because it works. It works so well. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. Um, I think a lot of the times, um, Real would arrange a song and he want me to sing it a certain way. And I aim to sing like how he wants me to sing it. But when we get in the studio, I might 
venture off and sing it differently. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of those ten, he'll say, "Okay, it works," and we just maintain it that way. Um, I remember with Turns and Conditions, I knew that that was like a real passionate song of his. Honestly, I didn't want to record Turns and Conditions at first. I felt like it was so different from me. I felt like it was like the complete opposite of the direction that I felt like I was trying to go with the project because I wanted to maintain a 90 sound. I wanted to, I mean, I love Prince and I felt like Terms and Conditions was like a Prince vibe, but it took me to really think about it and really take the song in to hear that Prince vibe. And I remember we fussed and like argued and like fought in the studio too because I really didn't want to sing the song. After I realized how much it meant to him, I felt like it was my duty to to project his feelings into that song. And when we recorded Terms and Conditions, I really remember being in the studio saying, okay, well, let me make sure that it's right because I knew on how much this situationship was so a big part of his, his growth, um, really his artistry that he put into this project. So I wanted that song to to feel like what he was talking about in the song. And we just went and we recorded and it just came out. Uh, that's that that's crazy to hear that side of it. I think that was my favorite song out of the performance. And I think if, if correct me if I'm wrong, I think that's the, uh, the, the single. That's, that's the that's, current yeah, single. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's like, the, yeah, it's kind of like the, as they say, the title track, the title yeah. track. So we made sure we wanted that song to be right because project. this is the mm-hmm. meaning. And I'll tell you this, even when I, when I wrote the song, um, cause I'm just as critical on, on myself as, you know, you know, the person be sure. originally it wouldn't going to be, uh, it wasn't going to be a single. Because it's not a, it's not one of those in the now catchy songs. It's more of an adult contemporary song that you're hearing on like, you know, grown folks R&B radio station. It, I, although it's one of my favorites, I wouldn't, I was content with it not being fit to be a single. But as we, the more and more, like as we, as time passed and we constructed this project, I was like, it can be a single. It's just got to be released a certain kind of way. And when it's released... I was really anal about it when it drops, like the video has to drop when the single drops. It's not one of those songs that you just put out and say, hey, this is my new single, Terms and Conditions. You only can do that if you are an artist with already a, a, a good, solid, heavy, established fan base. Mm-hmm. And that's not him right now. We're getting there, but that's not him right now. So I said, this is one of those songs where the visual has to come out. You have to promote it a certain way. So like with the, his first single he put out a year ago, Fighting for you. We when we did the video, it was fighting for you. The visual. Next single we did, um, love me back. It was love me back. The virtual kickback. Because if you watch the video, it's like a house party. So I said, okay, when we do terms and conditions, it got to be something kind of big and corny. So we did terms and conditions. The movie. So we like promoted it as like Mm -hmm. we did like a movie trailer for it. Um, and when we premiered it, when it premiered on the 15th of February, I said, I want to set it up where it's like premiering live on YouTube. So I set all that kind of stuff up. And then ironically, it really kind of almost fits into that new movie that came out, Malcolm and Marie. So I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm corny. I'm a nerd. So when that movie came out and I watched that whole movie, I was like, I got to find some clips of this movie to use for promo for terms and conditions because it all fits and it makes sense. And there you have it. So 
I think I know you guys are the bulk of this this project, this EP. But I know there's been some other writers involved, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So tell tell me about the other people involved that made this happen. Do we? I was gonna let you take that, but um. Well, producers. So I know so, that, so producers. Yeah. So the bulk of the project is produced by Nerdtoons. Nerdtoons was a production team a duo here in Memphis. It consisted of Johnny Tate and the late great Kevin Jones. Kevin unexpectedly passed away. Um, mm. a week before his birthday this past December. Yeah. So we um the first the first song, first two songs we did for the project were produced by Brandon Christian. Um Fighting for You and Um Fall, Fall Deep, Deep were, were the first two songs we recorded. So then, you know, we was like, okay, we're gonna do a full project. And I had met I met um I met Kevin Jones through Claude Hines. Claude Hines and I were supposed to do a song for another artist. Um, but his schedule got big. He said, he was like, but bro, I want to connect you with Kevin Jones. I think he'll be the perfect person to finish your song with. We went, I sent him my horrible, horrible voice memo demo. We've all been there. Right. Um and <laughs> you know, then the, we met the and he stayed like walking distance from my apartment. So we met one night. He played for me um the the track of the production. I was like, it fit perfect that artist didn't pick up the song but we still had our relationship so after me and him did fall deep in fighting for you i was like i think they'll be perfect to produce like this whole project or whatnot like i knew that they when what sold me on them as a production team was when i sent them my voice memo for the song for a totally different artist and they produced behind, they created, they knew exactly. I'm not a, really a singer, but Johnny Tate, he's a, he's one half of them. He He's on keys and all that kind of stuff. He's an excellent vocal coach. They knew exactly like where I was going, my high, they knew everything. So I said, they'll be perfect. And I wanted to put him with, he's delicate to me. Chris, I was delicate. So I said, I need to put him with whoever does this project or does this stuff. It has to be someone who's not just a beat maker, mm-hmm. who's an actual producer. When I say producer, I mean like a Quincy Jones who knows how to craft and construct or Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis, who is kind of how they would model their selves behind. Mm-hmm. So I had a phone conversation with Kevin or whatnot. Brought Chris in on that phone conversation. He had never heard of them. And he trusted me. And so we met. We vibed out. The first thing we started to work on, didn't make the project. Then we went into terms and conditions. And then so forth and so forth. So they did the bulk of the project. Um, Brandon Christian, he's another producer from here. He's really, really great. Um, he did two songs on the project. And then Teray Love, who's from Memphis as well. He's based in Atlanta now. But he's from Memphis. Mm-hmm. He's a producer behind Jay Howe. He did a song on here. It was. It only felt right. Like after we had recorded the majority of it, I said we got to go back and get at least one song from Teray. We're supposed to have two from him, but because of timing and everything, we only were able to do one. So I said we got to go back and get that. Like that, we got to go home. Got to go back to our roots and get that one song from Teray, and that's how "Love Me Back" came about. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah. Also, I'm sorry. No, go you on. Let's um, hear it. I mentioned the producers. So the other writers on this project was a good friend of mine. His name is Vincent Whitmore. Mm-hmm. I've been on Vincent for years. And Vincent, it's like my weaknesses as a writer, which sometimes could be melody. Vincent is strong in those areas. Mm-hmm. So I would send it like, um, 
first time. So we did first time in my living room. So we had to loop because we already started the track with, with nerd tunes. So we had to loop. We sat in my apartment. I ran the loop. And I remember like it was yesterday. It's so scary. My hair standing up on my arms. <laughs> so we ran it. And I already had the hook to run, 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 cross my mind. And then, so I, we ran it. I pointed at Vincent. He, he came in with the melody for, and then. Y'all um, sent it to me. Um, no, you were there. You would, you don't remember nothing. Hey, I'm the you, same way. You, you, you were there. First, you sent with, it to listen me to me. You were there. We sat in my living room. I pointed at Vincent. And he came with his melody because we were just creating melodies. He came with his melody for the first verse. And then I pointed at you and you came with a melody for something. Um, I came with a melody for one part and it, that's how it worked. And then we mm -hmm. later put the words with it. And y'all came in. Y'all, I was stuck. I had the majority of the hook. Y'all came in and helped me with all that kind of stuff. That's how that song was born. You might be thinking about Love Me Back. With Love Me Back, I had the loop again. Had some of the words I said, Vincent. He by this time, Vincent had moved out of town. Mm -hmm. I said, I need a melody or something for this. I sent him the song. He sent it back to me with the melody, and I was like, he get, he he he's only meant he only meant to give me melody, but he's mumbling, mumbling some words, and those words actually kind of fit the whole picture, and that's mm -hmm. how it all came about. And then he did he did Vincent did love me back with me. He did first time and um. Love Out Loud with me. Okay. And I know, Chris, Chris, I think you, if, correct me if I'm wrong, you had some writing on Fall Deep. Mm hmm Is that right? Yeah. How was that? Um, Just being involved in that part of the process. I know usually being a performer and then, you know, having just a piece of it is, is special. We, um, I think with Fall Deep, um, we actually went down like and walked like the river at like one, two o'clock in the morning mm, and times. to come up with the the lyrics to Fadi, but tell them about tell them about your um your love child your favorite song on the whole project. Let's hear it. Um, um, fighting for you. Um, I like fighting for you because um I actually came up with like the first verse to that song when I was a freshman in college. Um, I remember being sitting in the car with a friend and smoking. And we listened to a Peebo Bryson call us uh, a Peebo Bryson song called Feel the Fire. And we was listening to 101.1. And I think I just I just started like just singing uh the and my friend was like, Hey, that's cold, that's cold, that's cold. What would you say to that? And I was like, I don't know. Um, I, I think I just came up with the, there's something wrong and I can see it. And it's, if you really listen to Feel the Fire by Peebo Bryson, it's the same kind of melody that he used. And when I came to Memphis, I told Real that, you know, I had an idea for a song. And that's how we came about finishing. And he finished Fighting For You. He was in the shower, um, and I think I maybe came home, and I just heard him singing the first verse. And I was like, what's that? He said, oh, I wrote that. And I I, I liked it. I, I really, really liked it. Um, and I came in with, um, oh, I'm fighting for you. I'm not going to sing it. That's why I did it like that. But, yeah. <laughs> um, but I came in with that, and then we just finished the rest. 
Is, um, is there any specific, you know, experience you're trying to drive with your music? Any any feelings? Is it just is it for you? Is it something that you guys need to do for yourself, just as artists, or is it something that you're trying to convey to people? I think uh, my, the music that we actually put out right now. Um, I'm not a a real deep relationship guy, and have never really experienced really really deep true love. And I think with this you got a lot project, of growing to do. Yeah, and I think with this project, I think that we're it, it, it kind of expresses the love that I wish that I would be involved in eventually one day. And I think that real helps me express what I want to say. He expresses it through words because a lot of singers, not really just writers. I mean, I write, but I'm not a writer. And I think that he comes across and he's able to convey my feelings into words. With me personally, I'll say things a little bit more raw. Um, I like the curts. I like to just sit back and just talk. I'm just a regular. I just chill. And he helps me keep couth into my music. That's good. I I want to talk about the performance, too. I mean, this was a really special performance here at Station 8, and we really enjoyed having everybody here together and you know just make such good music and, and hear it in the way that you guys did it uh you guys did something really cool i know we had four songs from the ep performed here i really love the the, the medley you, you kind of did something there with the the two the was it the second and third songs yeah it yeah was, that um, kind of put them together love yeah me love me back in first time oh so, first time no i'll say it wrong yeah yeah so when you guys were putting this together how did you let's talk about who we played with how about that Okay. Who, who you played with, and let's talk about how you how you got everyone together. So, uh, I know for for the for the singers, we had Corey Joe and uh, Daryl Wayne. Yes, sir. Yeah. So, how did you find them? Oh, um, real put. You know, I, I they, live. They were there. excited. They were awesome. Real, real put this together. <laughs> so I let him I, say. Okay. <laughs> um. So the first two people. So you know, after talking to you, and you know, I saw what it could be. I was like, okay, so not a full band, but something kind of relaxed. And the first two people I thought about were Mike Sweep. Mike Sweep is, is an artist. He's a great friend. He was of keys mine. and vocal. He was on keys and vocals. Um, I'll tell you what, I really feel. I don't mean to interrupt you, but I feel oh, yeah. like he was he was just like the glue to that music. He he really was, he was holding it in down. That moment. Holding it down. He, he he really was in that moment. Mike Mike Sweep really was. He's dope. I've been knowing he, him for about thirteen years since I graduated high school. That's a musician. Um, he played at New Direction. New Direction used to have like a youth service on Saturday nights for like youth and young adults called Uncut. And he played with the work, um, worship team. And he was always dope. And he, just his, his tone and texture in his voice. So our relationship started way back then. Mm -hmm. And then um, Sleepy, the producer who was on guitar, um, I met him maybe around the same time I met Chris, maybe about 10 years ago, just on the Memphis music scene. And we've done music together. He's done a project years ago. He called me in to do some writing on that. Um, and we just built that solid relationship. So, so chill. Yeah. So, you know, when they needed, had projects going on, they called me. So I was like, okay, I got some going on. I picked up the phone and called and they was like, dope. What are the dates? That's all they said to me. Um, I love it. I loved all their energy. Um, they really brought it we in. We needed, we needed, you know, a backup singer. So the one of the first people that came to mind is another good friend of mine I've known for a few years, Daryl Wayne. And originally he was going to be the only one where I was like, he could hold it down, but it'd be dope if we had one other person. And Corey Joe, um, 
we've never this is our first time doing anything music related together i've known him for years i've always seen him sing you know at church um see him sing behind other people and then we know each other just on a social thing of hanging out you know at different clubs or different house parties or whatever the case may need be and we've always been cool he's like an uncle i call him an uncle mind you he looks the same age as me i don't tell his age but um i called him i was like yo i need a favor un uncle can you do this for me he was like okay what are the dates send me the music i sent them the music we did a rehearsal we did a second rehearsal and they nailed it just like that and that's how we got them together that's awesome i i, I really love how you guys made the set yours too. I mean, we had the foundation there, but you came in and, <laughs> and you, I know you mentioned earlier, you're talking about Tina. That was the picture. Oh uh, yeah, right? yeah. 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 You so know, funny big thing, inspiration, a big, big inspiration for me, but and now this is going to sound corny. The funny thing about me and Chris working together and Chris's voice. So I humbly say this, and I don't say this because I manage and write for him. I, I say this because I think it's a fact and other people have said this. Chris has a very unique singing voice. Um, it, it's a big singing voice. Um, I, I'm on him all the time. I say, take care of that because you have something that a lot of male singers don't have. You have mm -hmm. an extremely high range. Mm -hmm. A lot of male, like he can effortlessly. Days. Right. <laughs> and, and, and he does it. He never, he has, as long as I've known him, he's never complained and said, that's too high. Even when like I wrote first time and on after the second verse, he goes up in that note. I can't do it for nothing to save my life. Mm -hmm. But a lot of times when I write for him, I hear notes that I know he can do. He may have never done them before, but I know he can do them. And he tries them and he gets it. So going back to the Tina reference, Tina has a unique voice as well. She doesn't have a pretty soft singing voice, you know, as most women have. She has a big voice. Chris has a big voice. And a lot of people, there's, no, again, I humbly say this, as far as what I know so far, and I'm just speaking about the people I know of, no other male singer sings like Chris O. It's him and maybe one or two other male singers from Memphis that just have that distinct voice. Chris O has a very unique voice. So a lot of times when I'm writing for him, I don't have Tina in mind, but it's it. I guess because of she's a big influence with me, and I like a lot of old Ike and Tina songs. It's just the big soulful country voice. Even he says he likes Ike and Tina music more so than he likes Jason. Tina Turner, the solo artist, mm -hmm. which both are great. But he likes the blues and it's soulful stuff. Yeah. So when I write for him, I think because I've listened to her all you know thirty some years of my life. It's it's just it's by divine intervention that we have met and mm -hmm. he gives he has that flair. It's the duo, you know. So it it, it it works, <laughs> and it's not always easy. We disagree and we have our arguments, but it 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 works. Yeah, that's one of the things I was going to ask you is what what the elements of your music that you feel uh, separate you from other rhythm and blues artists, and I feel like that's a pretty big one. Just the just the the voice and and having that difference in sound. Is there anything else you feel like? I mean, that's that's pretty stout. But is there anything else you feel like kind of just differentiates you you guys as an artist? His writing style. Mm -hmm. Um, I just had someone that uh, that that contacted me today, and it it wasn't even a close friend. It was like someone that you know that I know of that downloaded you know the project, and the first thing they told me is that 
I love the writing style to this. And real has a, a distinct writing style to me. Sometimes to me it can be uh he he writes a little faster than what I'm normally used to singing because I'd like to consider myself like I like I'm I'm like traditional R and B, you know. Mm-hmm. If I could sing ballads all day long, I'm cool with it. You know, See, and, and and the odd part is that that puts me to sleep. Like, yeah, he don't like, like slow. I don't. I listen. Yeah. I started off writing R and B, just more the balance. Yeah, right. yeah. But I started off writing R and B. But I think as I've grown with my influences, my writing and my in- interest and taste have grown. So like, I can do those slow ballad, big R and B songs with the first verse and the second verse and the bridge like good old 90s R&B has but I get bored with it mm-hmm. like I don't I, I mean the slow songs are cool but I need to give me something I can kind of move a little bit and bounce with it and give me something that's catchy um, Chris is is I think Chris is going to if if everything works right in time and Chris himself is going to be that person that really puts a new spin on um, what most call '90s R&B. Um, he and a lot of people probably cut me for saying this. I like the '90s R&B, but I, 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 I mean, it's good. I have a, some favorite artists, but I've grown in transition with it mm-hmm. or whatnot. Um, Chris is still there, so for me as a writer, I have to be able to give him that and still put my spin on it, but give him that. Um, but though that's where my influences come from songwriters wise as far as like he said the fast singing LaShawn Daniels um tricky um tricky the dream um Clark Kelly like those are Jonte Austin Brian Michael Cox Cox um um Rodney Jerkins those are a lot of my big influences um when it comes to my writing style. Mm-hmm. I, want, I want to hear some of yours. What are, what are your influences artistically and musically? I just, I mean, you've been singing your whole life. Yeah. So what have, what have been the biggest influences? My my favorite singer of all time is Stevie Wonder. Mm. Like if you, you tell me to sing something right now, mm. what song will I sing real? Ribbon in the Sky. And I drip. That's my favorite song listen, of all time, that, man. You know, if magically it. Stevie Wonder hears this, I'm so sorry, but... <laughs> Whenever he gets, and long ago, years ago, whenever he got a chance to perform, it was always a ribbon in the sky, and yeah. I was, and I'm just over. But I used to that win song. every. T- Let me tell you something. That song means so much to me. That's the first song that I can really specifically remember my mom teaching me to sing for a talent show. And I just always, that was always my go-to song. So I like Stevie Wonder. Prince is a big influence to me. Mm-hmm. I like Luther Vandross. I like 90s music. I love Tony Tony Tone. So that includes Raphael Sadiq. Um, I love D'Angelo, Maxwell, um, Joe. I love Donnell Jones. Tank. I like Carl Thomas. Tank, it, it, Tank, if you hear this, please. <laughs> please. I, I'm okay with you calling me your son. <laughs> If I can, real rolling his eyes again over here. Yeah, because he knows these. Like, I, Tank, if if Tank was to say, "Hey, this this is hey, introduce it, Chris O, and this is my son in the industry," I'm cool with that. Uh, Usher, Chris Brown, I like a lot of the new artists too, but I just feel like a lot of the new artists. Uh, and, and one one thing about me, I I don't like I don't name drop when I say stuff. I just feel like with the new music, I feel like everything sounds the same. 
Um, so it's I only go so far when I name the new artists, you know. Fair um, enough. You know, re- really mm-hmm. not past 2010, 2012. Um, that's not a bad thing. That gives you a chance to establish yourself yeah. as an individual with your own sound. Exactly. You guys working together. Exactly. I get it. Yeah. I think that's yeah. what that's Kevin, um, one of the producers, the producer I mentioned it passed away. Um, the, he's actually on the project talking on the interlude. And I think, I can't remember. I've heard it being times, but I don't remember what he says. But it's something he says about the goal is to, you know, create something that people would try to figure out. Mm-hmm. And so, like whenever I hear that, for me, that's something I feel like I gotta. We not not me. We we gotta take with us with any other producer we work with, even if we one day branch off where he's working with another writer and producer, and I work with somebody else. We gotta create something that people would try to figure out. And he told us, and he says it on the interlude. He said, "That's what's gonna make your music pop." And he told me, "That's what's gonna make my songwriting great." Right. So. That's something we just have to always keep in mind. Like, follow the trends, you know, but still create something that's going to be different that people's going to try to figure out enough to be to be relevant in the in the culture, but exactly. also your own oh, truth. Yeah. Right. Your own exactly. truth. yeah, your own truth. Yeah, I like the way you said that, man. I, I one thing that I respect most about you guys, from what I've heard from the beginning, is is the hustle y'all are putting into this. I know that you guys have done everything. From recording and you know the the writing, but also you know video productions and and photo shoots and all these things. How how do you balance the hustle you're putting into this and and trying to to make it work and and do what you do and and life? I mean, is it ever stop? I you should go first. Um, the reason I say you go first um, is because I I have my own hustle and you have yours, but you're the you're the glue. I. It's really hard to answer this. It's going to sound crazy, but I don't think that I don't even I don't know if I even try to balance it. I think I just go. You just do it. I just do it. it. Like I don't. Mm -hmm. And and, and mind you, like it's nonstop seven days a week. Um, And one thing like I always tell them about, like, don't worry about those people who you feel like what should or you expect that support from. Worry about those who are supporting you and be so busy thinking about the next move. Like we did live at the eight. We did that. Okay. Now I'm like, okay, what's next? Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, we've done it. It's 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 checked off the list. What's next? Cause it's like they say, even with the music, you're only as good as your last song. You're only as good as your last pro for now at this stage, we're only as good as the last project. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking about, I'm kind of also thinking about the next set of songs we do a year and a half from now. One of them I've already created. I've been having the same melody in my head for about a month. I haven't really written lyrics. I just got like two or three lines in my head and it's stuck in my head. But I'm thinking about that. I'm thinking about yeah. what's the next podcast we can do? What's the next? What What's what's because like, OK, when are we dropping the next single from the project? When are we shooting the next video for? OK, what we want to do for this video? We want to fly here and do this and all this. I'm, I'm constantly thinking about that. A lot of times I'll be honest with you and say I forget like there was something I wanted him to try to enter to do. And the deadline was maybe like March 3rd and I something else was going on. I think the deadline was March 3rd, 1159. Pacific Standard Time. So we had until the wee hours of the morning. It com- 
completely slipped my mind and we missed it. So there are sometimes I might lag on, you know, replying to an email or doing something, but I'm just always, I try not to be hard on myself because it's always, okay, what's next? Yeah, I don't what's want you next? to be hard on yourself, but I also want you to, just because you, you know I relate. Yeah. I, I, I want you to, both of you, to be able to acknowledge how good what is happening actually is. It's really easy to always be thinking about what's next and not stop to enjoy the moment that you're in and appreciate what you're doing. And what happened last night, you know, with the Live at the 8 and what you're doing today with the release of the EP, this is very special. Right, It is. Right, this is right. a lot of work. But and I think I, we kind of forget, we... It's easy to about that. It's, it's, it's a hustle, and, and I know he. Takes. I know he does because he he's always moving. Mm-hmm. I sprinkle it in a little now and then, and and like say for example, I might think about it an hour ago. I'm like, oh, this this really this a good day, right? <laughs> yeah, it's supposed to be a good day, and then two hours later. We're thinking about what's next, so we forget to live mm-hmm. in the moment. But we both have that thing in common. We're both earth signs, so we're both kind of the same way when it comes to those type of things. Because we're already thinking about like what we have in place for next week or right. what's the next photo shoot. We're already think we're not thinking about the moment. So I appreciate you letting us know that because we we really it kind of slips our mind. It's easy. Yeah. Because it's a lot have, of work. It's hard work. Yeah. I have people that that chime in and tell me like they see what we're doing and, and it, it works like we're we're fully independent. It's just I love my, it. That's it's, what I, that's it's what I just meant. It's just, just myself I respect and, the and, and it just Chris does. O. And I had a good friend of mine who's from Memphis. He lives in LA. Um, magnificent singers. Well, his name is Brandon Montel. We were on the phone like late one night, just talking and talking. He was talking about Chris and talking about the music and talking about how he really loved everything. This is before the project. He mm. said like he loved the singles, all that kind of stuff. And I, I gave him a, a, a sneak listen at the whole project. Told me he loved it. He said if I didn't really know y'all personally. I would assume that Chris is like kind of signed to some kind of like Absolutely. label or some mm-hmm. kind of big production team. But I know that it's just you and him. So he was like, whatever y'all are doing, like keep doing it. You're doing the right thing. Even one of the producers, I let him hear the whole project to And he was like, you know, of course he, you know, he gives his critique because he knows it's on a personal level, but he listened to the whole thing. He said, you know, he said, I'm proud of y'all. He was like top to bottom. It's a solid project. It flows. The songs fit. All the other kind of good stuff. So we have people that chime in and let us know. But and, and it's still it, it, it gets hard. We recreated this project from September of 2019, and we did the very last song August no July July of 2020. Um. And and it may not be as so some may look at it and say, you know, y'all got seven songs, two in, uh, intro, an interlude, and a re- it's like it took y'all that long to do that. Yes, it took yes. us that long to do that, <laughs> and partly because of just scheduling. Because again, people forget Chris doesn't live here; he's mm-hmm. back and forth. So right. scheduling, um, family events, unexpected things um, that happen, like I mentioned, the unexpected death of of one of our producers. Um, Having to reshoot, we we reshot um, the first visual fighting for you. We reshot that twice. <laughs> Damn, we really because, went through yeah, some shit. <laughs> we, 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 we shot it all in one day on a rainy and day, on, it did, and right? it was kind of and it worked because it was kind of what we was going for. And then something happened, and we had to go back and reshoot. 
the whole video again mm-hmm. over two days. So they pushed it and, back. And, like, and then some of the some of the footage had got misplaced. And then after we reshot it the second time, mm-hmm. I was going through my laptop in in my um, external hard drive when I got the clicking. I said, "Why well, be damn? Here go some shots from the very first. and now disclaimer it wasn't my fault that anything got lost, but we had to redo it twice. So having to redo it twice. Having to fit in photo shoots and mm-hmm. having to plan when we're going to do this next video, putting together the budget for this, picking out the location and all that kind of stuff. Like, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I understand now. I have a lot of compassion for artists who say, oh, it took me three years to record this project. I totally get it. Like, people don't understand what goes in between. And that's why I'm very anal when people... um they don't want to buy it. Not our stuff. I'm just speaking about music in general. People don't want to spend that nine bucks mm-hmm. on, a, on a project. And I'm like, do you know <laughs> the blood, sweat, and literally, yeah. and tears that went into this? And you don't want to spend five bucks or nine dollars? We could give we could give two or three podcasts on just the music industry as it stands that's now. Another, right, and right, right. Yeah, that's, that's another topic. That's another topic. <laughs> right. So now that the album is released, going back, flipping that switch back, what uh, what's next? Um, today's album release. What's the plans? You're talking about yards, thinking about what's next. What's next? So we we've we're, we're not going to announce it, but we've already picked the next visual we're going to do. Okay, um, it's okay. going to be something that's really special. Mm-hmm. We actually we picked the next two visuals, right? So we know the next two visuals we're going to do. We know the location and where we want to do them. We just hadn't done them yet. Um. And we're just, just, I don't think I can say it's follow Chris O on IG at the real T H E R E A L Chris O K R I S O follow him on IG and just stay in tune because a lot of times we don't know, we, we plan things, but we really don't know what's next. Like I even, I think I told you like before I got connected with you, we had the idea to do something similar to what we did with you guys. Yeah. We already kind of started picking out, you know, who was going to be a part, who was going to maybe shoot it or whatever, like, need be. We were going to do it in my living room and keep it real smooth With the plants. And simple and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> and then I got connected to you and the rest is history. So so humor me. How, how was it performing at Station 8? Man, the best experience. It was great. Yeah. You know what I appreciate Surreal. the most? The way that you, um, um, that you guys treated us. Um, you know, you might go into situations, and I'm real big on it. I, I don't, I don't like giving my energy to everybody. I'm, I'm real mm-hmm. big on it. I'm, I'm sure like well, people probably get frustrated because if the vibe ain't right, I can't. You know? Right. Mm-hmm. And the way that y'all treated us from day one, everything was so professional and set up, and you made us feel warm. You made us feel like this was our moment, and that's the part that I respect the most because, uh, and I'm a. One thing about me, I get emotional out the blue, out of nowhere. And this kind of, I'm not going to cry this time or anything like that, but I do feel, you know, really mushy in this moment because this is something that we really, really wanted to do. And we were just trying to figure out the timing, the budgeting. Mm-hmm. And for you guys to lay out this platform for us, I'm so appreciative, like beyond words, because the way that you guys treated us yesterday, it made me feel like, Damn, Chris, you're you're going to do this one day, yeah. and this is how it's going to feel. And it's it may not feel this way from everyone that I work with in the future, but I can say that working with Station Eight, 
I had the best experience the possible. Best experience. I appreciate the best that. experience. So and I really, really appreciate y'all. And for I, I told you, yeah. I told you, I, was, you know, we worked together the other day on on the video, mm-hmm. or rather, I should say, I assisted you guys because it was it was all you guys. Mm-hmm. I said I like like every thing that y'all did and everything y'all had set up from ideas from the clipboard with everything in order what shot what scene shots was next and okay we're set up for this while we're getting this let's go ahead Mm -hmm. and just take this like i was it it was like yeah (laughs) Uh, all the way like i would we all do i would recommend you guys to anybody it's inspiration anybody you guys are are why we're here it's artists like you both that that are the reason why station eight is what it is and is, is driving to be we're building in the same way that you guys are and you guys have been absolutely integral to the foundation of everything that we're going to continue to be mm. coming and I, in and, and doing I, this and i appreciate y'all i gotta say like I, I tell people all the time nobody is obligated to do anything in right. the way that you guys say hey let's do this and and you know it was what do you guys want how do you guys want it to look what color lighting you guys want? Where you you want to bring anything in? What do you need? Mm-hmm. What, what kind of water? Yeah, y'all, like, y'all, y'all allowed us stuff. to be hands on. Like, you yeah. allowed us to be hands on versus a lot of times a situation like this. It's okay, yo. We want you to do this and this and that, and that's it. You allowed us to be hands on and pick whatever we want to pick and do whatever we want to do, and we're be ungrateful for it. Well, mm-hmm. the feeling is mutual. Beyond. Let me tell you right now. Okay, appreciate <laughs> you. Uh, Let's let's wrap this up. Let's do one more time. Let's uh let's do Instagram, Facebook. Where can we find you? Where can we find the music? Give me a refresher. All right, you can find me on Instagram and also um, YouTube is actually if you subscribe to my YouTube is actually the same. Is the real Chris O? That's T H E R E A L K R I S O, and that's all one word. Um, so you can find us there. We're on all digital streaming platforms so that's apple music spotify google play um title amazon title amazon (laughs) right (laughs) everywhere um so that you can go check out there we have visuals right now that's in place um that that's out right now that's on youtube so when you subscribe to the real chris o on youtube you'll see those visuals and right now we're just pushing and celebrating love levels and we hope that this project inspires people to come together and love again. It's okay to be in love, y'all. You know, we don't have to be out here just thotting all day long. It's okay for you to have your fun. It's okay for you to be in love. It's okay for you to express that. It's okay for you to want to be in love. And that's what this project stands for. It's okay for you to mess up in love, too. Like, yeah. It's okay. It's a, le- it's a level on this project for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, hey, congratulations, y'all, on the release, on everything. All right? Appreciate y'all. I appreciate you. Thank you, Station 8. Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, If you want to check out any of our other content, you can visit our website at station8productions.com or our YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash station8productions. Thanks.